Today on Electric People, we had Dan Fleischman, a born salesperson, born hustler. He was the youngest entrepreneur to list a business as a public company. He runs uh, different investment groups and is the founder of a charity. Just one of those guys that truly does it all. I want you guys to listen. At the very end, he gives financial advice and talks about the opportunity that we have as salespeople and as sales leaders. If you apply that right, if you go into it with a long-term mentality and break down some of the math, what it can really lead to in years of financial independence. It's pretty cool to talk to somebody sitting here on Hollywood Boulevard who has all these successful businesses and a lot of famous friends break down the value of a little bit of savings at a time and what that turns into. It really gave me some perspective. It offered me a little bit of humility as to you know what our opportunity is. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this episode with Dan Fleischman. The League presents Electric People. Dan, thanks for having us in your studio today, man. My pleasure. Appreciate it. There's not many places where we invite someone to be on the podcast and they offer us their house to do the podcast in. So (laughs) appreciate that. Um, You know, we were talking before the show and uh, mentioned that you'd be talking today to a bunch of young sales leadership and sales entrepreneurs, which we're really excited to have the conversation because that is everything that I've seen on you, everything that I've heard on you. That's really where your business passion lies, right? Is in selling. Sales cures all. Dude, isn't that true? We talk about that a lot, like not to be like a total like cold capitalist, but sales fixes everything. It does. It does, right? Like It it helps the investors, the partners, the customers, the staff, the employees, the vendors, everything about sales cures everything. Yeah. It it causes excitement. It causes energy. It causes so much. I always say that like... um, you know, when we're out there, our guys do direct sales. We're door knockers, right? And I know you got experience with this. You speak Mm -hmm. at a lot of door knocking conventions and a lot of direct sales companies. But if I'm selling, my kids get a different version of dad, right? Like I'm on a different chemical cocktail when I'm selling and I got different like success pheromones on me. And then when I come home, they get a different version of that, right? Like you're pitching them to eat their vegetables. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, So, Maybe let's back up. I know you've told this story 10,000 times. Hopefully you don't get tired of it, but business pretty much started for you with who's your daddy, right? Yeah. In high school, I was 17 years old. I had trademarked the catchphrase for 300 different products, but we started with clothing. Literally like owned the words, who's your daddy? Mm-hmm. Now I had this thought cause I haven't seen this in any of your content, but you're not saying you came up with the phrase. No. You more just. We trademarked it. it. Yeah. So. My business partner, he kept saying it on the football field, during lunch, to girls, to friends. This is in high school. In high school. And he was the wealthy kid. I was in my 1982 Buick. Like I had the $400 car. He had an Escalade and a Corvette in high school, right? We were two different, you know, his dad owned a $200 million uh, truck company. Wow. And so we were two different worlds. But he was my best customer because he would buy my cereal and candy out of my backpack every every day. And he would like <laughs> so give it the a, entrepreneurial game is strong. Like you've been doing oh yeah. that your whole life. Oh, yeah. I had five different teachers out of my six teachers. Five of them were selling my candy bars the, on their desk. And every Friday, I'd pick up the money from them and let them keep candy bars. They were dealing for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wasn't allowed to give them cash. but I, I think like, that's against so many rules now, right? That's why like, I didn't give them cash. I just let them keep candy bars. All that's right. All. I never from paid them cash. handling to taxes to, right? Yeah. So... He kept saying it all the time. People would laugh, whether it was girls laughing because it's sexual or funny, whether it was guys laughing because you would slam the basketball or spike the football and you'd say, who's your daddy? And so I threw it on T-shirts. I put it on T-shirts and just big, bold lettering. We sold our first 100 shirts for 15 bucks each. So we were, cool. we were millionaires. We had 1,500 bucks, yeah, right? right? Like, that's it. <laughs> You're never going to run out. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's when my older brother, who actually just walked out, uh, my older brother and my business partner's dad told us, you got to trademark this. And we didn't know what that meant. We were 17 years old. So we trademarked the brand. Uh, by 18 years old, we did a million bucks in sales at our first convention and then got a $9.5 million licensing deal with Starter Apparel just for the UK to sell our clothing and shoes and accessories out there. And that kind of helped us through the roller coasters of being an entrepreneur. We had that revenue coming in every quarter. Mm-hmm. They paid us no matter what happened every single quarter. They ended up doing a lot more than the $9.5 million in sales, which was great. And then 23 years old, we took it public on the stock market to launch an energy drink under the same name. And so from 23 to 27, I didn't sleep. I just sold every single day, morning, noon, and night. There was no social media back then. And what year was this then? So 2005 is when we went public. So 2005 to 2009, I was selling all day, every day. 
and ended up getting into 43 distributors into 55,000 locations. Well, let's break down the sale because you're 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 amongst direct sellers, right? That's so, dope. what? Uh, so you figured out the drink. How did you did How did you find someone to make? Because I've heard you say before, like you didn't like the flavor of all the energy drinks that existed on the market right. at the time. So how does how does that work? As, with no, like I think about it now, and I'd go online and I'd look up some people that can like you know mix a drink or have like a factory that can produce this stuff, but. 2005 is almost like Yellow Pages days, right? right? Yeah, like, Google was there. It was just, so 2005, it's actually before that because the drink launched 2005. I was researching and 900 energy drinks were on the market, but they all tasted like like cough yeah. syrup. And so what that was that taste. then? Because that was pre-Red Bull and stuff, wasn't it? No, Red Bull was there for Red sure. Was oh there. yeah, they're big. Okay. Um, and so Red Bull, Monster, and Rockstar all had that thick taste to them. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, my favorite drink is Gatorade. And so I started searching and I figured out and found the chemist for Gatorade happened to live in Orange County. The Gatorade chemist. Yes, the guy, one of the original guys that created yeah. the, the, the flavoring. So I find this 70 plus year old wild haired guy and he meets me at a restaurant. And you just cold called him. Yeah, I was, there was no texting back then. Yeah. No. And so I ended up meeting and uh, we sit at a table at the restaurant. He puts out 40 cups, like little white cups with no label on it. And there's all different colors. And he says, okay, pick the flavor. And it was like a game. I don't think I've told this story. Maybe I told it once. And so I see a red one that it looks really cool. And I grab that one. I drink it. And I have I drink half it. And I have my partner to drink the other half. And I said, that's it. He's like, that's the only cup you're going to drink? So yeah, that's it. And it felt kind of like, oh, what's that? Not Noah's Ark, whatever that, uh, Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. Like drinking from the <laughs> yeah, cup thing. That's right. Yeah. You get one shot. And he wasn't even asking for one shot. I just, I felt it. I tasted it. It was super good. It was cranberry pineapple. And he was like, this is really funny, but that's the, that was the one that's Red Bull turned down. He's like, that's my favorite one. So well, that's the only one I want. He said, well, you're going to want the green tea. But in our deal, once you hit a million dollars in sales, so I know you're, you're real, do a million dollars in sales selling the cranberry pineapple and I'll give you the green tea. So I think I did in like five weeks. I literally just drove to every liquor store, car wash, bank, You just went in gym, there with a the backpack gym. and you literally showed up. pineapple. Yes, I didn't call ahead. I literally just showed up at gyms, car washes, gas stations, liquor stores. And I just wasn't even knocking. I just walked in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't do that at a house, but yeah. <laughs> in business, I just walked in. And I was showing up at mechanic shops and I'd drop off a case. I'm like, hey guys, if you want to get more, call me. And I did it over and over and over. And I figured out the math. I could see 20 to 26 locations per day. And I could replicate myself by getting employees, staff, volunteers that want to work on commission or on salary to go visit 20 to 26 locations per day, set up at least four appointments, close one or two sales. If you do that, the way the commission works, you're going to get repeat commission Mm -hmm. because they're going to keep ordering my drinks. My drinks are good. I know they're going to sell through. And so I built this whole sales plan. But no advertising (laughs) outside of just like hustling to the businesses and stuff right? so we we invented like the corrugated cans those cardboard cans mm-hmm. you see still like with rockstar when you drive by a gas station yeah like a four foot can um so we were doing those back then we were doing stickers on the coolers which you see now everywhere mm-hmm. we're doing stickers on the coolers so point of sale is important eye level is buy level and so if you can't be on the eye level you're not they're not going to sell your product mm-hmm. and so if, if i take a drink and i put it on the bottom shelf and i wrap a 20 dollars bill around it you wouldn't pay two bucks for it. Mm-hmm. Well, why wouldn't you pay two bucks for a $20 bill? Because you can't see it. Right. And so I did everything I could to be eye level. And if you tried to put me on the bottom, I wouldn't sell to your store because it's not going to sell through. You're going to drop me and there's no point. And so my entire four years, I literally don't remember. I didn't go on a date. I don't remember being at a birthday party. I don't remember anything. I just sold for four years straight, which worked because we got those distributors helped us get into 55,000 stores. And so I know I'm jumping around, but every single day, I just wanted to figure out ways to get my drinks into more and more locations. I didn't care if it's one gas station or Costco. I didn't care, big or small, because I knew it compounded. Yeah. Just doing it every single day. And so that's kind of how it started. I found the flavor. We did the, we hit the million dollar sales mark. He gave us the green tea. Uh, We were also the very first zero sugar, zero carb, zero calorie energy drink. You guys were healthy before it was cool. Exactly. And so I was looking at what were the things that people didn't like? They didn't like the taste. Okay, I fixed that. Mm-hmm. We won flavor of the year. We were on the cover of the beverage magazine, the, the only beverage magazine called BevNet, flavor of the year. Now, wow. sales got easier. Now I walked in literally with the magazine in my hand every time. 
So it's kind of like Eminem and 8 Mile. Mm-hmm. You say all the bad things about yourself and then drop the microphone. I would say all the bad things about other drinks, say what they were worried was bad about me. Yeah. Hey, Red Bull's $3. Guess what? We're only $199. They're a 8.4 ounce can. We have 8.4 ounce, but we also have a 16 ounce can for the same price. Oh, everything that could come up in their minds, my distribution is Budweiser or Coors or Miller or Pepsi. Mm-hmm. So you can't be worried I'm not going to deliver it to you. So my price point's less. I have both sizing. I have zero sugar, zero carb, zero calorie option. I'm already in all your competitors. I always brought up their competitors all the time. I'm already in 7-Eleven. I'm in Ralph's and Vons and Albertsons. I just set all those things in the first 40 seconds and I never actually had to sell. Yeah. I was just asking them how many did they want. It's kind of funny though, because I, I see that a lot of times with top like sellers. One of the worst things for me as a sales leader is when a new guy goes with an expert and the expert just laces five deals mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, this is going to be easy. Right. And they go out on their own and they think they do the same thing and they don't realize. All the nuances. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, he got lucky. He's got the good area, whatever. But even hearing you say that, it's funny because, you, you, you know, you hit your urgency, right? You preempt their objections. You bring that up first. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is a lot of times it's not convincing people why they should buy your product. It's eliminating any reason why they wouldn't, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, why not selling? Where it's like, what you just described is, why wouldn't you do this? If I'm cheaper and and it tastes better, yeah, like, why wouldn't you do it? That's right. And I think so many people spend so much energy trying to be like, oh, you got to try this flavor. This flavor is ridiculous. You're going to love the flavor. People are going to come here because of the flavor. And then they're like, but price, but distribution, but I know the guy, but he's been dealing here for 10 years versus given if you can take away reasons why they wouldn't do it, then you get everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that was four or five years of your life. Yeah. 2005 to 2009. No social life. All just who's your daddy. I I don't remember anybody saying no to buying the drinks and I don't remember going out at all. I don't remember (laughs) ever. (laughs) That's that selective memory, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were no's, but yeah. So then during that time, are you happy? Like you're selling a lot, right? You're growing the business. I love the game. Yeah. I still do it. Yeah. I don't need to do it. I love it. I do it every single day. And it's interesting. And I, I, I'm sure you had the high level vision that you're building something bigger. But it's funny because I think a lot of times when people get in like high commission sales, they have this idea that I'm going to work for 10 or 15 years and then I'm going to retire and then I'm going to be financially independent. Mm-hmm. But the type of people that have access to that kind of income opportunity are the type of people that if they stop, they'd be unhappy, right? Like, of course. I look at this setup here. First of all, for our listeners that aren't watching, we're in we're on Hollywood Boulevard at one of your uh, cards and coffee locations. And just looking around, there's like five different businesses happening right now. You're streaming on at least two different platforms full-time selling collectible cards, right? You have these, looks like social events that happen here for elevator nights. You got, you know, there's just like so much energy in the room and there's a handful of employees. They all seem to be your homies. And business is happening. And my acai bowl place is right outside. See, I didn't know yeah, about the yeah. acai bowl. Location number 53. I had a heavy acai bowl addiction for quite some time. Man. so good. I was 15 bucks a day and late for most things by about yeah. 15 minutes mm-hmm. because of acai. Yeah. So they're, good work. They're, they're so good. Yeah. So talk about that. Like, um, you know, how do you feel now energy wise? Like you, you have your hands in a lot of things. And I'd, I'd like to go through the story and talk about some of like the adventures in building these businesses. But you don't strike me as somebody like the world would say you're somebody that's made it you don't strike me as someone that's tired, burnt out, or looking for a rest. I enjoyed the game. You literally couldn't pay me $100 million to sit on a beach. Like, I physically actually got a little upset thinking about it. Yeah, I was trying to internalize that. I was trying to, like, check you, like, as a, really? No, I'm dead serious. you believe it. (laughs) No, I'm dead serious. Yeah. I literally could not. You could say, I will wire $100 million today, but you're not allowed to work ever again. And I physically couldn't. I have a visceral reaction thinking about it. Yeah. Because it's the game. Yeah, I think about that sometimes, like, um, you know, like quarantine, COVID, a couple years ago, where it's like, hey, we fought like shutdowns as hard as we could. We're an outdoor business. We go to people's homes. The The idea of a shutdown is very scary for sure. us, right? They shut it down. And a part of me thought, you know, nice to stay. I travel nonstop. It'd be nice to stay home for a minute. But two days into that, you're not, you know, it's like when an athlete gets hurt. Mm-hmm. You're not breathing fresh air. You're not working. You don't have the pump. And all of a sudden, that's where like the, the person that you feel like isn't a person that you recognize, you know? But don't you think your your associations have elevated too? Like you probably don't associate with a lot of people. Like probably the people that you associate with are just like you. Like I know some of your friends. I know who they are, right? You're doing 
friends with Steve Aoki, who just is like the most traveled musician ever. He, he has right? a teleport machine, though. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> that's the secret. <laughs> I remember watching his documentary, the "I'll Sleep When I'm Dead" thing. I was I was in it in the W hotel room. I was hiding behind the. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, he has more drive than any human I've ever seen in my life. Same concept. He doesn't need to do it. He did 304 shows in one year. The year before COVID, when he was allowed to do shows, 304 shows in one year. This was 220, and everybody else is in 150 or less. Yeah, it that's takes to do 304 problem. shows. He doesn't need to do it. He's getting 100K, 150K, 250K a night. At some point, do you need another 100K when you've got right. tens of millions of dollars a year? He's, he loves it. Yeah. He did it right now. I was with him for the last three days. And he went Boston to Connecticut and then flying out to the next city and the next city. And he came from Miami the day before, like every day. You guys just like find each other when you put out that frequency or what? Like how to, what, what is your guide? Because I know one of your businesses, you run a social, um, a social marketing, mm -hmm. social media marketing is what you'd call mm -hmm. it, a business where you, you know, promote things and ideas. And you're one of the first to do that. One of the most successful. So how do, how do guide to networking? How do people like-minded people find each other? So events um, and common interests. So Aoki and I used to play poker 15 years ago. And I would throw charity poker tournaments. He would want to be there or I would donate to his charity. I started an online poker site. I signed him and Dan Bilzerian and like all these interesting characters. And I just try to incorporate events and like-minded things with people. And that's how I build all these relationships. Were I throw you, events every single for month. those people? Like, were you trying to attract Dan Bilzerian or is this before that? before his like rise when he signed with my poker site it was before he had social media because this okay. was 2009 yeah uh, before instagram started so i constantly throw events whether it's charity events business events etc dinners in every city i go to i'm throwing a dinner in salt lake tomorrow night mm -hmm. like i everywhere i go i'm constantly doing events to bring people together and what happens is when you do these events or attend these events by default the people in the room have already edified themselves. They also want to do what you want to do, mm -hmm. right? If they're at a business event, a real estate event, a solar event, you know that they like what you like, mm -hmm. right? At a poker tournament, whatever. Then I also know that they're social because they're there at the event. So they've already proven to me that they like what I like and they'll do the things that I'll do and they'll take an action or initiative to actually go to it. Those are my people, yeah. right? What's more interesting is they, by default, want to invite their best persons to that event. And so if I throw a free elevator night, which I've thrown 45 times, totally free. Describe what an elevator night is. It's 300 to 1,000 entrepreneurs. I keep it short, it's four hours. And it's my way of like Robin Hood. It's like my give back to the entrepreneurial community where I'll have either startups pitching on stage and helping them raise capital and I don't take anything for it. Mm -hmm. Or I'll have the local legends speaking so if in Salt Lake City, it's Jimmy Rex and Sean Whalen and Aaron Wagner and The Muscle and Heavy D Sparks and all these characters are up on stage speaking for free. Normally, people would pay, obviously, to go to their mm -hmm. events. But here's what happens. The people that go to that event, they think it's almost a favor to ask you, hey, my friend just exited his company. Can I invite him? Hey, this lady owns 14 rental properties. Can I bring her over? Hey, my friend owns 12 restaurants. Can I bring him? They literally ask like it's a favor to go to your event and invite yeah. their best people in their network. And so it's able to, for me to compound my relationships because I throw events every single month around the country for free, for dinners, for business, for charity, whatever it is. And by default, everyone invites their best people to, and they bring them to me. It's kind of a social networking philosophy, right? Like a, like a social marketing philosophy is you don't hoard your idea, right? Like if you have an idea, it's not like you only give it to people if they pay for it. It's not like a video online where it's like, I have the three secrets to your business and for just a one-time payment right. of $1,200, you can get it. It, it. it seems to be common where it's like, I want everybody talking about my idea. And if I put it out there, then abundance returns. Is that kind of the philosophy? So what's interesting is I give out everything, right? I tell I do how I invest, what my companies are, what my startup is, how to do my social media agency, how to write a book, how to open a restaurant how to buy an NFT and everything in between. I literally do roadmap videos for free all the time. Couple things. One, I do want that information to go out and be spread and I want people to actually take action. But there's nothing wrong with people selling it or having some type of a paywall behind certain information. People won't take action unless they pay for it. Mm. So if I throw a free event, 
Yeah. And let's say I can fit 300. I actually let up to 500 register because only around 300 will show up. And the other 200-ish don't show up because it was free. And so I literally, every time I throw an event, I have to expect around 50% are going to show up that actually registered. Now, sometimes I've had all 500 show up and that's a weird situation because I can't fit all 500. And other times only- But it's free. So it's like, hey, how mad can you be? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, but on a paid event, it's like 99% show up even if it's only 20 bucks or 50 bucks or hundred bucks, it is different when people pay a little bit. Yeah. And so I like getting the information out there because I want people to do stuff, but there are certain aspects. I do have my expensive events. I have a $30,000 real estate event. I have a hundred thousand dollar a year business mastermind, but that's only a hundred people that I'm not, I never pitched for them to join. That was something that they wanted to be in that room, but all my other events are free. My elevator nights, my charity events, my poker, turn, everything else is free. And by doing that, and people can replicate this. You can have an event based on if you like fashion or music or mm -hmm. sports cards, or you like sports cars, whatever you like, you can throw an event for free or cheap in your local community. And by default, the people that you invite will invite their coolest people to you. It, it sounds pretty easy. And this is kind of a theme in a lot of the stuff, but why don't most people do it? Like, you know, you're basically talking now like, hey, I network, I connect people, I bring people into the room. You know, when you were talking about your your elevator nights, you know, it, that's work, right? Like you you have people come to an event that are interested in the same thing as you and they network and they bring their friends and they're looking to do something mm -hmm. either with their time, expertise or money. That's 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 what we do for work. That's that's what we constantly do. You were taking your energy drink to stores saying, hey, let's bring more revenue through the store. Yep. Right. Why don't more people do it? Well, most people are lazy. <laughs> that's the most blunt thing. Like it's, it's frustrating. It's sad. And I try to, you know, motivate and tell people what to do and how to do it. I, if you notice in all my videos, the reason I say it so like step by step is I want it to sound easy. It mostly is. Yeah. People are overwhelmed about posting on social media. One of my, one of my main speeches, I do three core speeches. One of them is about social media. The entire hour, I'm trying to make it sound easy to post once a day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, look, you already carry your phone around with you. So don't tell me you don't have a phone. Two, your phone has one of the best cameras in the world now. So don't tell me you need a fancy camera because you don't. Your camera's amazing, whether it's a Samsung or an iPhone. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube are free, free, okay. free, free, yeah. free, free, and free. So don't tell me it's the cost. You don't have real time. You can do it, film it all on a Sunday, make 10 or 20 videos or 10 or 20 pictures on a Sunday. So you don't have to worry about it daily. You can just have it in your phone and post whenever you want to. There's nothing holding you back from social media except this. Mm -hmm. And I say it just like that and break down all the ways that they can do it because it's all in our minds. It sounds hard to throw an event. You probably, when I said it two minutes ago, you're like, I'm not gonna throw a car event. I'm not gonna throw a real estate event or a solar event. Mm -hmm. It's not hard. You pick a venue, whether it's a house, a local restaurant, a local hotel ballroom, an art gallery, a car, car showroom, whatever, pick a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday on an off night, make it at seven o'clock, throw it for two to three hours, make it free. And I promise you, a lot of people are gonna show up. All you gotta do is ask them to. Mm -hmm. And most people that I say that to still won't do it. It's crazy. It's, uh, yeah, we often say that the only difference between people that are very successful, especially in the same vein, like look at sales, right? Like the difference between someone that sells a lot and someone that sells a little, a lot of times they're the same age demographic. They're selling to the same demographic. It's the exact same product for the exact same price at the exact same time. Sometimes as close as a quarter mile away from the other guy, but one of them's having 10 or 50 times the success. And really what it comes down to is the way they think. Because I actually believe that you believe that it's not hard. I know it's not hard. Right. But somebody that's net, that thinks differently is like, but what if no one comes? But what if I'm embarrassed? But what if people troll me? What if, what if, they know I don't know what I'm talking about. So they just kind of, it's just their, it's just the way they think. Yes. Right. Have you always thought that way or is that? Absolutely. You have from, from, from setting up your teachers as vendors to. It's a couple of the reasons for my confidence, not cocky, it's confidence. Yeah. And I say that because it's okay to be cocky when you're a champion. And I think people nowadays think it's rude to be cocky or it's sure. rude to be a champion. You shouldn't post your wins. You should you will inspire more people to win. 
The confidence comes from a couple of things. One, you're not going to be at my funeral. So I don't really care what happens. If a bird pooped in my head right now and I'd wipe it off, my, right. my heart rate wouldn't change. You could laugh at me and point. Literally couldn't care less. Right. And the same thing on a stage with 500 people. Couldn't care less. Dog comes and pees on my foot. Uh, shake it off and keep talking. Mm -hmm. Don't care. You guys are not going to be my funeral. So we're, I don't want to call it meat carcasses. We're human bodies yeah. and then we're going to be gone in 50 to 100 years and that's it. So it's not that important to me when it comes to if we want to go down the, the rabbit hole. No, it's important. Yeah. Two, they don't know either. So the people that are trolling you, the people that yeah. are laughing at you, they're not going to do it either. Yeah. They're they're talking from the, the, the stands and you're trying to play on the field. You shouldn't even be listening to them. We did a conversation. You mentioned Sean Whalen. We did a conversation with Sean. And, uh, you know, he was talking about that MMA fight he did. Like, maybe mm -hmm. it was one of his first MMA fights or whatever. And, you know, he got beat up. And he said, dude, everybody had something to say about of course. that. But he's like, do you know who didn't have anything to say? The people that have been in MMA fights before. Right. Everybody that hasn't done it, everybody mm -hmm. that's scared is like, oh, that's stupid. What are you, a real estate expert now? What are you, a fighter now? Mm -hmm. But the ones that have fought. And I, I feel the same way with true sellers, true entrepreneurs. It's like okay, I don't know what an elevator night is. Talk to me about that. How do you do it? And I'm like, you know, people that think that way, it's almost like they listen with no opinion. And then it's like, oh, maybe I should try it. I think the ones that are pretty fear-based often look at it like they, they, they see all of the barriers before, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I kind of sympathize with you. Like I've, you know, from a direct sales background, I understand and I feel a lot of the same way with, you know, I don't really care if something terrible happens. I always tell the guys on doors, like, you know, I've never been physically hurt. Right. Like I've right. knocked thousands and thousands and right. thousands of doors in people many different no, states for rude, many different products. Mm -hmm. And what difference does it make? They're definitely not going to be at my funeral to right. use your words. Mm -hmm. And I've never been physically hurt. Mm -hmm. So what's the worst that can happen? Right. Right. They, they, so, they tell you to get lost. So what? And then they're right. just like everybody else. And right. They, like and they go to the next door. And yeah, that's right. The worst thing that can happen is they can say no. And then they're just like everybody else. It only has to work a couple of times a day. Right. Right. So let's back up a little bit. So from starting the clothing brand, that that gave you your first probably real pop of like monetary success, right? Yeah. Nine million dollars to somebody under the age of twenty-three, it's a big deal, right? Yeah. Are you sick of the phrase "Who's your daddy"? I mean, that's a lot of "Who's your daddy" over the years. So I resigned on the ten-year anniversary. So when I was twenty-seven, I resigned from the company so I could put another feather in my cap, and I went on to launch an online poker site. Yeah. And that's where everything changed. So how does how does that happen? Is it was that just an interest of yours that you decided to put energy behind because yeah. it's a pretty different world. So I I opened a 8000 square foot store in downtown San Diego at the Hard Rock Hotel showroom. Uh, Cuz my roommate a football player had passed away and we had an idea to open up a store and when he passed away very suddenly I decided to open it kind of like in his honor. And so I did that for a while. What kind of store? It was like jewelry, electronics, clothing, um, all high end stuff. And it was in 2008, so right in the middle of the economic crash, which I didn't even think about or know about. I was just opening a big fancy store because you my didn't know about the crash. You were just moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so I opened the retail store, and I had this vision of plan to do an online poker site. And so I was planning and plotting, get everything ready. And then I, after the one year anniversary, I moved to Vegas and and Malta. Malta is in the middle of Europe, and I never even heard of Malta, but I had to go there for my gaming license. I moved out there to start an online poker site. And so you have to get your online license in Malta. Well, there's other places you can go to Gibraltar or Seychelles or some other places, but you but can't go to like Louisiana. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. And so, um, I spent some time in Las Vegas getting Dan Bilzerian and Aoki and 22 different poker pros to sign to my poker site. I picked up the move to Malta and 10 weeks later, we had an online poker site and 10 months later, we were in the top five in the world. And, I started with lunch money compared to my competitors. Same thing with energy drinks. There was 900 drinks, poker sites. There was 550 poker sites and same thing. Red Bull rockstar monster were the 800 pound gorillas yeah. in poker. There was poker stars, full tilt and a couple other sites that were massive. $4 million a day in revenue, $8 million a day in revenue, like massive. I started a company with 2.4 million total when these other guys were doing that in an afternoon. And the reason we were able to build it up, the same thing, my delusional confidence was, what are people doing wrong? What are they doing right? I mean, remove the things that they're doing wrong and then go crazy bigger on the things that they're doing right. And so I saw them doing these big poker TV shows on ABC, ESPN, on Fox, Travel Channel, et cetera. So I went and kept signing cool kids to, that would 
have the money to go play on these TV shows with a victory poker hat or a victory poker shirt or a patch on the shows. And so all of a sudden you have Playboy Playmates, Dan Bilzerian, Steve Aoki, all these poker pros playing in myself on TV shows that my competitors were paying for. My competitors were spending $9 million in production on a TV show, $8 million for this show, $4 million for that show. And half the table was my, my players. You slapped your tag on their show. <laughs> they actually made a rule that a three-player three three, ma three player max rule from any different poker site because of me. Because I had so many players on all well, these you shows. Can't, you can't have more, you can't have your site more than three patches. more than three people. Yeah. Or three patches per person. No, three patches on, out, of, out of nine players on a table. <laughs> so if I had more than three players at the table, only three could wear a you patch. You know, it's a good sign if the policy exists because of like an advantage you yeah. found, you know? And so it worked really well. We got international exposure on their dime. I couldn't afford to do it. Yeah. How am I going to afford to throw $9 million TV shows? Wait, how'd you get them in your patch? Just by being their friends and reaching out to them? And so some of them I gave equity to. Some of them I, gave, uh, I paid for them to be part of it. Okay. Like, I'm like an athlete. Yeah, yeah. I paid for their tournaments, et cetera. But they were really good, so it worked out fine. Um, and the Playmates I just gave money to to endorse it because they were off traveling around and at all their events and they just always had the patch on. Mm. And when they played on TV, it got really good ratings. Weird, yeah, right, weird. weird. It was crazy. <laughs> and so then we were doing a lot of social media content with Aoki and um, different models. And that content went crazy viral. Six million views back then is like one bazillion now because there was no way to disseminate it back then. Yeah. And we got millions of views on our different videos. And so that's how we built it. And then April 15th, about two years later, Online poker is shut down in America. The government, like, government shuts it down. Wow. They don't shut me down. What do you mean in America? How do they do it? Like if you were using an, like F, an American the, IP address The or FBI something? seized the 16 countries from my competitors and not me. Wow. So by default, I became number one on April 15th. Why did but, they not <laughs> seize yours? Because you were out of the country? Or? Oh, they were out of the country too. Uh, no, they didn't seize mine because I wasn't doing anything illegal like my competitors were. Oh, okay. They were doing miscoding merchant accounts, meaning let's say you deposited 500 bucks on PokerStars, mm -hmm. your credit card statement would say PS3. I deposit 500 bucks on the same website, it would say like mattresses.com. Okay. They're miscoding it. Mine, luckily, it was Wells Fargo, and it just said Victory Poker. That was it. And I'm I had, trying to hide it. And I had KPMG accounting, and that was my three, that's it, I had nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And I literally had one bank account, and I literally had one merchant account, and that was it. And so I never got in trouble, I never got a letter. I was, by default, number one poker site, you don't want to win that way. Uh, what a crazy thing though, right? Like it was global news. I mean, it's, yeah. it was nuts. And then they just, there you are ready to like, it's like all the competitors in the race crashed and then here you come. Just yeah. boom, still so running. over the next four days, I closed the company down. I manually paid back 41,000 players just so I could sleep at night. Cause I didn't trust what the government's next moves would be if they were going to try to yeah. even shut me down or pause me while they figure out the investigation, you know, with collateral damage. And I didn't want the players' funds to get screwed with, so I just manually paid back 41,000 people and closed down. Did you still think you'd be, like, no matter what, you're still trying to find a way to be in the industry, too, so that even if this business went down, you still had the good reputation intact and did right by people I, and stuff? I, I, everything you said, except I wasn't sure if I'd be in the industry anymore. I just wanted to make sure I had a good reputation. Yeah. And it was very expensive and very difficult to pay back 41,000 yeah. people. Uh, were they getting the money? Like, us. What? Like, well, we were. I was doing radio interviews. I was posting everywhere because Twitter was Twitter was getting started, and we were emailing and doing whatever we could to get the word out to withdraw yourself. But if you didn't withdraw, I paid like literally manual. Think about this. this is a decade ago. It's not easy. Yeah. Uh, so after that, I realized I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket ever again, and so that's when I started the social media agency, and I became an angel investor, and I wanted to invest into companies, and I wanted to have the social media agency to help one, make more revenue because I just lost a $65 million company overnight. And two... Well, you gave away a $65 million company yes. overnight. Yes. Um, which I don't regret whatsoever. It was the yeah. right decision. And yeah, it sounds like it's worked well for you, you know? And I can still play in poker games and people high-five me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> my competitors have gotten like beers thrown at them and people are very... Because they're still around, right? Some of the yeah. guys are still around. Yeah. Anyway, so... Start a social media agency, start angel investing, start throwing elevator night events. And my life became interesting, um, very, very different because I had one long job, right? For a decade, I did 
Hoosier Daddy, a couple years doing Victory Poker. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to have one core company. I'm going to start a bunch of stuff because I didn't want to have all my eggs in one basket again. It was a very frustrating situation to like lose a company overnight. And I say lose because the scoreboard is a scoreboard. Whether the government did it, sure. I did it, my competitors did it, scoreboard's a scoreboard. Yeah, I like that. So I just wanted to help other companies, invest in other companies, and social media was just getting started. Now you're talking about 2011, 2012, and that's when it, everything changed. Have you heard, um, have you heard, do you know anything about like Jamie Foxx and how he built his um, reputation in like the early days before social media? Mm-mm. It's pretty similar. So Jamie Foxx is, you know, he's good at everything, yes. right? And I've just read his stuff. I've never talked to him or anything, but he would play these shows. And part of the reason he's Jamie Foxx with two X's is because um, back then female comedians obviously would draw a bigger crowd. So he'd put his name up, Jamie Foxx, and people, I mean, there's a chance that they were going to see a female. <laughs> and so he would go around and he would network and things like that. And, you know, he'd, he'd go to, he'd find beautiful girls and he would invite them to the show for free. And all they had to do was just write their name on the Rolodex card. Rolodex, man. Like before, like mm-hmm. Palm Pilots, you know. And he would write like some distinguishing characteristic, like, oh, this is this person so he could remember. And then um, whenever uh, he wanted to get into music, like Kanye West uh, was one of the first people that ever recorded in like his home studio mm-hmm. because he'd throw these parties and then he'd invite these people. So word got out that there's this dude in L.A. that could throw parties or whatever. And if ever, like, he tells the story of um, Puff Daddy being in town and him saying, and I can do for, you know, no money, I can throw you this amazing party, whatever. And he'd go to his Rolodex and he had this method in this system. Well, it's kind of similar, right, to being like, okay, well, I've got these, these influencers before that time, like these poker players that like this, that know me, that have rep my brand, that I have a connection with. And those are people still, I mean, you're talking NFTs, you're talking music, you're talking, it's all probably the same people linked together that you've stayed in touch with. And now your social media, it almost seems, now it's so obvious, right? Like, of course you would run a, a social media marketing business. So I never yeah. knew that story, but actually my craziest party night in history was at Jimmy Fox's house. Oh, really? With my roommate that I mentioned that passed away. We were at Joseph's nightclub, which was really big on Monday nights. Man, this is many years ago. Yeah. And um, there was like Justin Timberlake and Jamie Foxx and all the uh, Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn. Like this is again, the heyday 20 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. And um, that's not, I sound old saying that 20 years ago. And, anytime, uh, you, anytime you have any experience or know someone like I haven't seen you in 20 years, that's when it hits. Right. You know. And I just remember this night where we're, we're me and the, my roommate we're leaving we walk outside the club it's two in the morning and i'm up like vince vaughn it's like i'm obsessed like i loved his movie like and uh he'd been with us inside the bar having a drink for an hour and everything's cool we're walking outside and i just hear this guy yelling at the top of his lungs who's your daddy <laughs> <laughs> it's jamie fox and he's two cars and the, like they're sitting stuck in traffic and he stands up like it's a convertible car. He stands up and he's just like three blondes in his car. And he stands up, like puts the park, car in park and he just screams at the top of his life. He just keeps saying, who's your daddy? And you're like, are you making fun of me? Do you know? Like, no, no we played, we play, used to play chess a lot at his house, oh, like okay. for eight hours you at a time. Chess? Chess, like, yeah. Chess at Jamie Foxx's house. Why not? So roommate was really close with him. That's how, that's how that happened. Uh-huh. And, um, they, they filmed a movie together, the Any Given Sunday. Oh, right. And, um, so anyways, so that night, I don't know how much I can tell the story, but uh, <laughs> we, instead of going, I feel weird like name dropping, but instead of going with Vince Vaughn, we jumped in with Jamie Foxx because he said, follow us. And when, I, when he said us, he actually pointed, there was three more carloads of girls behind him. And, Easy choice. And there was no guys. <laughs> and my roommate was like, we're going that way. <laughs> so we ended up going to his house and it was like, long story but he's he's a, geni- he's a genius <laughs> with that kind of stuff but it's funny because i find that without people like that like it's easy now to look at social media and like a marketing like platform or like a business platform and be like oh well, that's how you do it but it's the mentality that preceded the business yes right and one of the things that i want to touch on that i heard in your um, <clears throat> podcast with jordan belfort which you apparently helped him start right podcast yeah yeah you I were for- episode I for- number one I, yeah i forced him to do it helped him set it up mm-hmm. right um, but the, the interesting thing is you talk kind of about like 
you have to have it, right? You mentioned that on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of this trait of like making it work. And it's probably connected to this idea of I don't really care about, you know, dog piss on my leg or whatever. It's just making it work. But talk about that mentality in the people, because I'm sure you get pitch business ideas. I'm sure people want to partner up with you. I'm sure people want you to look at their thing. How do you, what traits are you looking for that distinguish people? And how can some of these like young entrepreneurial people develop what it is that that people that are making moves are looking for so i'm betting on the person right Every, you hear that a lot yeah whether it's damon john or mark cuban all these characters say i'm betting on the person right the jockey over the horse it, it it's not a saying it's real true life like if i'm going to invest into your company or join the board or bring in my friends to invest or do a deal with your partner or anything we're, we're kind of getting married businesses don't exit for years usually five to seven years if we're lucky to be two or three years. So we're locked in. That type of mentality where it's like, I'm in it. Like, I'm just, I'm in, you yeah. know, like, I don't know. Hey, I listen to a lot of Rob Deerdeck stuff. And he calls them do or dyers. It's the same thing. It's yeah. like, but, and he says it's first and foremost mm -hmm. before any smarts or, you know, ideas or connections. It's who are you, would you do what I would do? 15% of the companies I'm an investor in, Rob and I are on the same cap tables together. Oh, really? Because we bet on the same people. Interesting. There's people that really stand out. We invest in them. Lots of we don't. Rob and I don't even talk about it. It's just he'll email me or text me or like, and I find out that we're both invested into a company hmm. because we see. You just find each other out there, man. Yes, because they're action taken. Remember when I we say these names? There's not that many names to say, yeah. right? Like they're close, and there are people that take action. And so I bet on the person first. Um, the way that someone can become that is to just do what you say. That's the first part. And if you do a little bit more than that, boom, you're a shining star. Mm -hmm. That's literally it. I know it sounds simple. If you say, hey, by Thursday at 12 o'clock, I'm going to email you this. By Thursday at 12 o'clock, I'm going to have the deck for you. I'm going to have the presentation for you. I'm going to be on the Zoom with you. Mm -hmm. Just being there Thursday at 12 o'clock is a big ding. Ching. Yeah. It's big. I know it sounds so simple. And you're like, well, that's easy. I can do that. When I say 99% of people don't show up or they're late or they postpone it or they move it back or they don't send the deck or they don't send the email or they message me two days later, 99% don't. On stage, I literally give out my phone number and say, text me when you guys are ready because I know 50 of you out there want to pitch me to invest in your company. Do you know how many people text me? It rhymes with zero. So who's texting you then? People that have like a half-baked whim or something where it's like, yo, yo, can I get on? Most of them don't. Really? They say they want to, right? Yeah, they, yeah. they go over like, hey, let's take a selfie. And then during the selfie, they whisper like, I got, a, I got this great business plan. I'm like, oh, here's my number. Nothing. No, literally nothing. I'm not saying a couple, nothing. Yeah. yeah. And so just doing the thing, like, and by the way, people listening, and I say this on stage. I also say, I tell you that story and now you guys are giggling like, haha, well, I'm going to do it. Mm. And then none of you are going to do it. Yeah, dude, I get it. Like we do um, a lot of speaking events, right? A lot of sales reps. And a lot of times I'll start with that where it's like, hey, this information that I'm about to give you, right, can make you tons and tons of money, right? right. I'm probably speaking if it's a room of 100 people, I'm probably speaking to six of you. Right. There's probably six of you that will implement some of this. And for one of you, it'll change everything. Right. But that's it. You know what I mean? And then everybody's always like, I'm the one. Right. And I'm like, well, exactly. you can't tell me you're the one. Like, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But the ones up there who's the top performer that's front row that's still taking notes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I After I speak or before I speak, or after, like I literally sit there and listen to even my friends. I want to hear what Sean Whalen's saying, even though I've been with him at dinner yeah. for the last three days straight. Yeah. I can, I'm sleeping at his house and I still listen to him on stage. Yeah. Because, Training works better on trained people. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Like I bet, I mean, I know you love sales. But like I'll I'll listen to something as basic as like a you know a door approach or an objections training from someone that's an expert, mm -hmm. and I freaking love it, for sure. Right, like I I'm just a fan of the game. You know, so think about one iota difference if you're going and knocking on twenty doors a day, and that's a hundred a week, and it's four hundred a month, and it's five thousand a year. What if you just learned one thing, one? that changed it by a little tiny piece. Mm -hmm. Like you just knew what to do at the door a little bit better. Yeah. Or you just knew what to do when the wife was walking in. It's like, oh no, honey, I don't want that. Like, what if you just knew that one little thing so that out of those 
hundreds of situations that arise, you just knew how to fight that objection yeah. or do this or have an upsell. Like, hey, I noticed you also want to get your roof. Oh, great. I can help you with sure. your roof too. Oh, you want to fix your garage door? Oh, our friends at blah, blah, blah can help you with your garage. That little thing literally changes your entire life. Like it changes financially. The butterfly effect is crazy. And so I am constantly listening as a student to everything from Ed Milet's podcast and Andy Frisella and all these characters that are... I literally sleep in their houses or I traveled the world with them. I listen to their podcasts, I sure. go to their events, and I'm soaking in because for me, it's economies of scale. If I learn one little thing, whether it's the nap, how to buy napkins better for my restaurants, mm -hmm. saving two cents on a napkin sounds like, eh, who cares? What if you have two million napkins a month Yeah, and you save two cents? And you do that not just this year, you do it for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years of your life. Yeah, what That's are your napkins? You know, like right. what are those things? The uh, I've heard the comparison used that say you were gonna go like do an MMA fight yourself, right? And you knew you knew who you're fighting, you knew you're gonna fight them six months in advance, right? I'm always surprised at how many people would just get in the ring the night of and see what happens. <laughs> but it's like you can view tape, you For can sure. talk to the people that have been knocked out and the people that have knocked them out, right? You can you can talk to their trainers, you can talk to other trainers, you can you can you can know that if their left hand has a tell, like what you can do that, but most people don't. And it's like, you probably see it when people come pitch you business ideas or don't, but I see it on doors all the time where I'm like, you didn't even, you just went up and you're right. just, you didn't even think about it. Like, what if you thought about it? What if you prepped? What if you noticed that the last 10 people told you the exact same thing and on the 11th door, you did it a little different, then you have that compounding effect. But it's weird because I see it so often, but personally don't understand it. You know what I mean? Yes. It's almost like when you're out there hustling and selling your drinks, if you're like, everybody is saying this, why don't I prepare something preemptively mm -hmm. so that the next time or one out of 10 times I can get through it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a rare, it's a rare thing. I, I think, um, and a lot of, thankfully, a lot of the audience here, like we're, we're a relatively small podcast, you know, and I think, but I, I'm very fortunate that the people that listen are generally those people. Right. And I think, content alone like a lot of the content you put out people seek it yes it's free but you have to give it time you yep. have to find it you have to spend that energy and effort on it and most people don't even do that right you know what i mean that's why i keep it 60 seconds or less yeah so on your pitches you mean on everything on your content. All, all my content 60 seconds or less unless there's like a rare situation everything 60 seconds or less and whenever i do pitches at events i only let them do five minute pitches hmm. A lot of times the devil's in the details and there's so much more you can say and there's all these different things. That's great. Later. I want people to get straight to the point right away, give the main overview and that's it. Mm -hmm. And then if someone wants to invest later, someone wants to have follow-up conversation, or someone wants to do something later, that's perfectly fine. But even with my content, if you want to watch the full video later, you can. But I'm doing like edited clips of the best part and then you can go down the rabbit hole if you want to. Yeah. What are you What are you excited about now, from like a business standpoint? What 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 has like your your heart and your energy right now? So I want to scale my syndicate group, the Elevator Syndicate. We've been investing in. We did like eleven investments the last eighteen weeks, and I know the more companies I invest into, creates a lot more jobs. And so emotionally, that's like my thing. Like yeah. I want to create thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs. And so my group's at six hundred fifty four members now, all strategic investors. And I've been able to fund companies within a week. I can get all the yeses within a day and then actually sign and wire within a week. That becoming scaled where I do it every single week is what my, really, my goal is, right? You know. So the members are people that say, hey, I wanna invest with your, with your group and then what you bring? So what happens is, let's say it's Icon Meals, right? It's a healthy meals company. UFC just invested. They're the main sponsor of UFC. Everything's great. We're close with the founder we can do an investment presentation with that person on a Zoom call or make a video, send it out to these 654 members. So they get a text or an email with the video and the deck. And then they reply 25K, 50K, 100K, 500K, 200K, whatever they want, or they don't reply at all. So if you don't reply at all, I'm not gonna bother you. You say 50K, you're gonna get paperwork next week and you're gonna sign and wire. And so I wanna scale that because we're able to raise, we raised $21 million in the last, uh, 18 weeks, mm -hmm. just deploying it into these companies because it's small rounds, 1 million, 5 million, 2 million, 3 million, 6 million. We're not doing like $50 million rounds. I like the seven figure rounds and I like catching companies early 
they're in the one to 20 million range in sales. Yeah. Because so I think that's where I can really help them yeah. scale. If you're already doing 300 million, can I help you? I could, but you going from 300 to 360 is not as sure. exciting as me taking you from four to 60. Yeah, it's like someone that's 400 pounds. That, dropping that first 100 pounds is pretty easy. And then after that, it starts to get a lot tighter. <laughs> right, right. What about, um, so what does it take to be a member of that group? Nothing, it's free. It's just a... Uh, so wait a minute. You're telling me that you've put together a group where you'll bring investments to people. It's free. They can invest or not. Yes, they have to be strategic investors. So sure. it's not, they have to be credit investors. Um, I My goal is to get to the thousands of people. And yeah. it will. But it'll eventually be thousands of people. It just sounds like there's no downside. There's no downside. It's free. You just get a text. And if you like it, great. If you don't, I'm not going to bother you. I don't sure. care. We're going to fund the deal regardless. Um, but I want smart people into these deals. So now, whether it's Icon Meals or Everbowl or Cauliflower Foods, all these fun companies we've been investing into, our money goes in. But more importantly, our collective brain power goes in to help them. Hey, we can help you with Walmart. Hey, I can help you with Costco. Hey, I'll help you gotcha. with QVC. And I think that becomes interesting. If I can start doing that once a week, which is what my I want the pace to be soon, mm -hmm. then, holy shit, the 50 investments a year. I mean, then you're talking about really deploying a lot of capital, but more importantly, deploying a lot of brain power out there and creating tens of thousands of jobs. Do you guys do um, companies only? Do you do real estate deals? Companies only companies for that. Only. My Growth companies, right? Avengers Mastermind, our real estate group, we do real estate mm -hmm. deals. So we meet up three weekends a year and we have a weekly call every Thursday. That's focused on real estate. Um, the elevator syndicate, that is focused on companies. Mm. That's great. What about um, what about your charity? You have a pretty cool charity that you're the founder of, yeah. right? And you focus on um, items to, to homeless people. Is it kids? So it's our 10 year anniversary. Nice. It's called Model Citizen Fund. We make backpacks for the homeless with 150 emergency supply items inside. Half of it's food and drinks, half of it's like a poncho, a watch, sleeping bag, cleaning supplies, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, we donate to teen abuse shelters or children orphanages and mostly homeless shelters. And it's a 0% charity. So I cover all overhead, all costs, all everything. And that way, every dollar that comes in from donations goes to the actual backpacks and supplies. And for the most part, I'm not publicly raising. For the most part, I'm showing them how they can make their own backpacks in Detroit or Alabama, Oregon, wherever you're living. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need my backpacks to give out to the homeless. You can make your own mm -hmm. Ziploc bags full of stuff and give it out. Mine's just efficient because I have 150 items uh, inside, but you don't technically need it. That's not the goal of it. I want people to replicate me. And that's why I throw so many charity events and make so much content about charity because I want people to replicate what we're doing. I don't necessarily, it's really rare that I actually say, hey, will you donate to this? I always say, like, donate to something else. Like, hey, donate to this tornado or hurricane situation or donate to that thing or that thing. I don't really need you to donate to my charity. If you do, it's nice, but it's not, not necessary whatsoever. Um, my goal is to get more people to do more charitable things because similar to what we talked about, they think it's hard. They think throwing a charity event is hard. Mm -hmm. You pick a Sunday at 11 a.m., you tell 100 people to show up to bring you food or bring you clothing or bring you toys, they're going to show up. And there's no cost. The venue's not going to charge you anything. Everyone's going to want to be there. Everyone's going to pull out their phones, make a bunch of content. Hopefully some people donate a bunch of money. Or it, stuff happens. Your downside is nothing. And all of a sudden, a bunch of kids will get toys or homeless people will get food and clothing. And so I just keep saying and showing it over and over and over for all these years because that's my true passion. I'll be doing that same charity for the next 50 years and it'll never change. I'm not trying to cure cancer, cure AIDS. I think people have done that 15 years ago. That's a whole different rabbit hole. I'm trying to do something that has a true cause and effect. I'm gonna give out lots and lots of items to people that need it. And it's my practice for later to try to figure out how I can actually cure hunger, how to cure water situations, how to cure things that um, I think are very curable. And so I'm practicing and building up my Rolodex for later when I can build large warehouses that convert into homeless shelters or I can figure out how to feed people in whole cities permanently, not just for a weekend. It's such a complex problem, right? Like the homeless problem is so complex, so especially now, right? Like, I don't know if it's laws now or COVID, but you're right. I mean, you're on Hollywood Boulevard. You're seeing so like, much homeless. And, it's and, it, and it's, and it's crazy, you know, like the tents and everything. And, well, in San Diego is your other spot. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, those are two of the places where the last couple of years I've been like, my gosh, like it's a complex problem. But I, you know, a lot of your, 
mentality and philosophy is what can you do efficiently right now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's like, I think a lot of people are paralyzed by the vastness of whatever journey they start on, but it's like, hey, I'm gonna try to make three people's lives a little bit better and it would probably be better in the rain if you had a poncho, right? Right, And you can, you can do that and then build one thing. And the compounds. Yeah. You give it to three people a week for 10 years, whoa, holy shit, it's 1,500 people. Stuff happens. You just keep doing it over and over and over and over and over. And I think people are scared to do the first three people. Well, and I think it's because you have such a long game mentality. I don't know if you always have, but it's like, you know, you can't help it. Like, I don't know if you know, notice that, but like every time I've said, oh, well, you just do this. And then you're like, yeah, but then it turns into, mm-hmm. but then it does this. Mm-hmm. But then if you do that with, you know, five companies, but then if you do it for five years, right? Like you just have like a more of a long-term mindset. It's a real advantage. Yeah, because I don't do flipping. I don't do short-term stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything I do is about compounding over the long-term because I know how much... I'm a, I like math a lot. I'm a nerd. Okay. And so compounding the math on anything, whether it's feeding the homeless, selling sports cards, opening up acai bowl locations, whatever, it doesn't matter what the thing is. If you just take a number, just take a calculator and just compound it over the course yeah. of 52 weeks and then do that a couple of times for a couple of years, doesn't matter whether it's $100 compounded or it's 100 items for the homeless, it, the number gets crazy. Yeah. So knowing that... Um, as we close out here, what advice would you give? I don't know if you know much. I mean, you do know because you speak at these events, but the opportunity right now in direct sales is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing it for almost 20 years and to see the change in the the ability of people to actually come in. It used to be that a couple all-stars could make really like standout money and standout money in my mind has changed, right? It used to be like, wow, a few hundred grand a year and that guy That's is great. rolling. Yeah. Now it's just with 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 the way the economy's gone, the value of accounts and the the efficiencies, it's a lot easier to do it than it used to be. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to people that have the opportunity to come across this level of income at such a young age? So if you're making six figures a year as in your twenties or even yeah. or even early thirties, you are automatically in the top percentile on the whole planet. Mm-hmm. And you have to really think about that. Things are going to change with your friends and family and people around you, and you have to be able to say no. And you got to do it right, really early. You have to protect your money, time, and I call them vampires. They're going to try to take your money, they're going to try to take your time, they're going to try to take your energy, or dissuade you. Like, why are you knocking on doors even though you're making twelve grand this month, or twenty grand, or thirty grand this month? Right. Mm-hmm. The opportunity is what I keep talking about for the last hour is compounding. Imagine you start investing when you're twenty-four years old. Yeah. And then you're just investing a portion, right? Let's say you're going to make 200 grand this year, right? You're one of the top guys. You made 200,000. Amazing. But instead of buying your second Tesla and you only have one car and you don't buy your second watch, you have one watch. I've had the same watch for 13 years. I want to be clear. I haven't had a car in seven years and I haven't had more than one. You don't own a car? I do not own a car. Really? I do not own a car. I've not had a car in seven years. You're like I have 71 motorcycles, but no. I don't. I have, have nothing. And I have had the same watch since 2008. I'm more fascinated. How do you get around? You just Uber or what? Uber everywhere. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, keep going. <laughs> and so if you do not spend your money on a bunch of stuff, I'm not saying don't spend money at all, right? I'm not saying, oh, don't go to Starbucks and save $4. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm not saying don't get the Tesla or get the watch. You're going to get one thing, or right? I don't mind that. When you start spending $2,000 a week buying Supreme clothing and your brand new shoes and a second watch and a third watch, mm-hmm. you're not realizing what that money can do by investing. And you'll get addicted to investing. If you get addicted to investing early, I mean, you're set up for life. You're not going to keep knocking doors for five years, 10 years, 20 years, unless you're you, right? Unless you're someone that's that passionate and can rise up in the game and is willing to teach and train, et cetera you're probably not gonna be doing this forever. And so your next job or next business, probably not gonna pay you 200 grand, 300 grand, $400,000 a year. That's doctor and lawyer money, mm-hmm. right? Most other jobs you're gonna to go to pay you five grand a month, eight grand a month if you're top notch, 10 grand a month and you're like, whoa, you're C-level, right? So you guys are making CEO money, doctor money, lawyer money at 23, 24, 25 years old. So how do you invest? Well, you have options. You can invest into real estate, but maybe you're not able to afford it or get the credit. What if two or three of your four of your friends from the same company pitched in 25K each? That you can afford, right? Now, four of you put up 100K, 25K each. Your 100K can go go buy a place that's 500,000. So now you bought a fourplex in Oregon or Arizona or Vegas or Utah, wherever. And now that fourplex, 
you put the 100K down, you bought a fourplex, let's say you spend another 20K remodeling a little bit, you raise the rents 200 bucks a month each, and now you guys are making net an extra two grand a month. Doesn't sound like a lot, right? Yeah, what's two grand a month? You guys are crushing it, making 20 grand a month selling. Hold on. A year from now, you guys refinance that place and it's not 500K anymore, it's now worth 620. Okay, and you pull out your 100K and maybe even a little more and now you buy your second one. And you haven't put up any more money yet. But you guys made another quarter million each this year, crushing it door to door. And now you buy a second one and then a third one and then year three rolls around, you've got seven. What happens if you have seven places that are all netting you guys two grand a month? You got 14 grand a month coming in and you're building appreciation value in these properties. Nothing I'm saying is, oh, you go go buy a two million dollar place yeah. and you got to do it all yourself. You got to pick the right stock and hit it out of the park. Right. Or what if every single time you got you got your commission check, you spent a thousand dollars buying Bitcoin. You spent a thousand dollars buying Facebook or Google or Amazon or Tesla or Netflix type stocks. If it goes up, fantastic. It's gone up. Bitcoin's been up every single year for the last decade, except for one one year. Facebook, Amazon, Google, Netflix, Tesla, all these main stocks, they pretty much go up every single year. And if it had a down year, do you think Walmart's not gonna make it eventually? Do you think Google and Netflix are gonna get through whatever bad year they ever have? They're gonna get through and they've been up almost every single year forever. And so what if you're just buying a thousand bucks here, 500 bucks here, two grand here? Again, you're not putting, you're not going all in on any one thing. But by buying some real estate, buying some crypto, buying some stocks, investing in some things, you are now setting yourself up for life because next month when you get a 20K check and you throw four grand or six grand or eight grand in, and that happens again and again and again. The 24 year old wakes up and they're 27. They've got seven rental properties. They've got a 100K stock portfolio. They got 60K in Bitcoin and they only spent 30 to buy it. Like, see where I'm going? Yeah. And so I talk about things that are actually attainable for people because I want you to actually do it. And if you just invest in things that you like or understand, I'm not talking about gambling, go buying $80,000 NFT tonight and go buying 50 grand in Bitcoin because you've got 50,000 total. No, if you've got 50,000 to play with, buy five grand, buy two grand, buy eight grand. And then next month when you get another check, buy another two grand or 1,000 or 3,000. But it all compounds, especially for the age of most of your listeners that are in their 20s and 30s. You guys are making good money, whether it's four grand a month, eight grand a month, 20 grand a month, whatever the number is, you're making really high above average money. And the next thing I'll say before I end it up is keep your overhead low. You do not need that third bedroom in that apartment. You are never going to go in that third bedroom. You're never going to have dinner in the second dining room. You're going to have plastic in there. And if you're never going to go on the second patio, you're just not. You use your bedroom, your living room, and your kitchen, and that's it. Everything else you, you guys get, especially your age, is useless. And so... Why does that matter? Well, instead of spending $3,600 a month for your place, you spent $2,800 a month. Doesn't sound like a lot. Until you realize 800 bucks a month is $10,000 a year. You guys are in your 20s. What if you save 10 grand a year for a lot of years? It adds up. And what if you took that 10 grand and actually bought more Shopify stock or Amazon stock or Bitcoin, whatever. And so I say that because the biggest thing I see with rappers and athletes and friends that have made tons of money is their overhead is the killer. Mm. They're buying way too many fancy toys. They're getting that six bedroom house when they only need, there's two of them living there. They're getting the second, third, fourth car when you only have one butt. Like you're just, they're getting too many things instead of taking that money and investing into simple things that they like and understand. Yeah, that's, that's such sound advice. And I think, uh, yeah, I think the ability to think long-term, right? Like even, but even now getting a compounding calculator, right? Cause even to say, okay, what about, what about a thousand bucks a month? What about 500 bucks a month? Mm -hmm. Whatever. And then just spreading that out over time. It's a killer. I sat down with somebody the other day. I'm 39. He's 24, maybe he's 25. And he's looking at this other job opportunity. He'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, and he was like, well, if I, you know, he's making unreal money, unreal money. And he said, uh, he's like, you know, well, I could go do this other job. It's a great opportunity. And worst case scenario, I can come back here. And I was like, you can, but you're 24. If you miss five compounding years at the age of 24, he's got 15 more compounding years than I have, I'm 39, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, well, that, you know, 10 grand a year invested at, you know, 25. When you're 39, it looks really different. So it's not Crazy. a question of going and coming back. You miss five very vital compounding years. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you can go to avengerscalculator.com. It's just a free little thing and just put in like what your age is, 
how much you're willing to put in every single month and a small interest rate. It will blow your mind yeah. if you put away a thousand bucks a month. Like literally blow your mind what it looks like when you're retired. I'm talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars mm -hmm. from a thousand bucks a month at a small percentage rate for the year. It's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. That's great advice. Man, you've been super generous with your time today. Thank you for having us in your place. Thank you for sharing wisdom. Thank you for, for your mindset and all that you continue to do. Guys, this has been another episode of Electric People. Thanks for tuning in. Brad, dude, thank you so much. Poor man. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, just DM us on Instagram and one of us will reach out about how to join this dynamic opportunity. You want to come be a part of the best sales team, solar team in the industry? Hit us up. Sunrun. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.